invitation. Um, we've all turned around and said hello to each other, have we? Oh, gosh, I must have been asleep. Okay, so I just want to pray, and then we'll continue with the service. Father, we want to thank you for today. We want to thank you that your word is truth, your word is life. And that, Father, when we mix our faith with your word, anything can happen. And so, Lord, I pray for every single heart in this place today, that we'll be, our hearts will be open and that we will be listening to what it is your spirit wants to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bible, please turn to Isaiah chapter 64. I want to apologize to the um, audiovisual team because I didn't send you my scriptures, so I do apologize. Um, yeah, so please forgive me. Isaiah 64, verse 7, and it says, And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. And in the scripture, we hear the Spirit of God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. During the time of Isaiah's ministry, there was a lot that was happening in the lives of God's people. And so when Isaiah was speaking to Judah, he was speaking to them because of what had occurred. There were people that were coming in, there were wars, there were armies who wanted to destroy Israel, take them into exile, take them into captivity. And so the prophets had been continually warning God's people that trouble's coming. So you need to get right with him. If you get right with God, then he will deliver you from these things that are going to come. But they refused to listen. And so God would continue and continue to speak to their hearts. And some would harden their hearts. Some would listen. Some would do different things. And then eventually the northern kingdom was taken into captivity. And having seen this, Isaiah began to speak to Judah. He began to speak to them about the need to come to make themselves right before God. And when we look in our society today, when we look in the church today, God is given the invitation for those of us who want to stir up ourselves to seek God. The scripture says there is none, let me read that again, there is none who calls on your name, who stirs himself to take hold of you. And if I was going to give this message a title... I would say this, and there is no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you minus me. Look at your neighbor and say minus me. Look at your other neighbor and say minus me. Throughout history, there are men and women of God who have refused to follow the tide of society who have refused to give in to the status quo, who have refused to allow the norms and the values of society to dictate how they commit to God and how they live out their Christian experience. And I sincerely believe the season in which you and I are living in at the moment, God is extending that invitation to those who will hear. Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And the Spirit of God is speaking to us. He's visiting us. He's inviting us to press in to him. Because when we look at our lives today, when we line up our lives with the, what the Scripture says, very often the gap is too much. It's too much. 
Jesus called us to be salt and to be light, to be distinctive, to make things clear, to expose things, to show things the way they really are from the perspective of his Holy Spirit, from the perspective of his ways. And as God's people, we know the scripture about the five wise and the five foolish virgins. We hear it many, many times. And for some people, they think it's talking about the end of the age, but it isn't. They were all, they were all virgins. They were all believers, but five were wise and five were foolish. And the thing that distinguished the wise servant, the wise virgins from the foolish virgins was that the virgins who were wise understood the importance of having a secret history with God. They understood the importance of not how things appear, but how things really are. Because they all had lamps. And the lamp speaks of your public ministry. It speaks of what people see with their natural eye. That's why the scripture says, God does not look on the outward, but he looks on the inward. Because what you and I might think is successful, what you and I might think is someone who's pressing into God and, and pursuing the things of God. When God digs a little deeper, there are other things happening. That's why Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, that's why he called them hypocrites, because they gave an appearance of something, but inwardly they were completely something else. And the Spirit of God is visiting our church, and for many of us there's a crossroads that we're going to be facing, a crossroads where we're going to decide whether or not we're going to accept the invitation and press in and be like wise virgins so that when the bridegroom comes and that move of God is coming, we're able to enter in, rather than suddenly trying to quickly ask the wise virgins for some of their oil because he said no the door's locked go and get your own oil and when you get your oil it takes time it takes effort it takes discipline it takes focus the prophet said there is none that stirs themselves to take hold of God and my question to us today my question to myself is are we stirring ourselves to take hold of God are we allowing ourselves to just go with the flow? Because everyone else is doing it, then why shouldn't I? Other people seem to be getting away with it, so why can't I? Are you and I going to be a people who are going to respond to the Spirit of God? Jesus said, he who has ears, he wasn't talking about physical ears. He wasn't talking about physical ears. If it was just the question of hearing it, then obviously everyone heard it. But Jesus was touching on something a lot more significant, a lot more life-changing, a lot more deeper, hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to a generation at its time. When Jesus visited Jerusalem, they missed it. They completely missed it. The Son of God, the Messiah, had come in human form. They could touch him. They could reach him. They could minister to him. They could bless him. But they completely missed it. Having eyes, they couldn't see. Having ears, they couldn't hear. Because they weren't hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And my admonition to us today is to hear what God is saying to us. God is looking for men and women whose hearts will be loyal to him whose hearts will be committed to him, whose hearts will say, even if I burn, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow. Is there anybody like that here today? In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, where it says, God is looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him. It's talking about a heart that is made ready, a heart that is peaceable. And that to me sounded quite comical in the sense that 
How can your heart be peaceable when it comes to God? It means that God doesn't have to wrestle with you to get you to do what he wants you to do. The psalmist said, don't be like a mule who must be bridled. You know with horses, they have a bridle and they use that to control the animal. That's not how we're supposed to be as his children. Our hearts should be a place of peace. The scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. In other words, if you and I don't guard our heart, if we don't protect our heart, it means there are things that are going to come in that are going to affect how you and I do life. It's going to affect how we relate to God, and how we relate to God affects how we relate to one another. It's not one or the other, it's both the same. As we know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength. And the second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And as we hear and as we think and as we ponder and as we allow the Holy Spirit to move upon our hearts, he will speak to us. The scripture says that when the Spirit of, come, Spirit of God comes, he will lead us into all truth and he will testify of Jesus. And so as we bring our hearts before God, because there are things that are going to come in. There's going to be envy. There's going to be pride. There's going to be lust. There's going to be resentment. There's going to be fornication. There's going to be adultery. There's going to be homosexuality. There's going to be lesbianism. There's going to be greed. There's going to be pride. All those things, they're going to come. As long as you're living in this body, on this earth, you're going to be tempted. But the Bible says in every temptation, God will make a way of escape. There is no temptation except that which is common to everybody. But in every temptation you and I face, God will always make a way of escape. But if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, when the way of escape comes, even when we see it, we're going to take no notice of it because our hearts will be bent on doing that thing. Our hearts will be bent on sinning in that area. So even if an angel himself came down, we would still do it. You said, no, that, that's not true. Of course, if an angel appeared to me, of course I wouldn't do it. Have you forgotten the parable that Jesus gave about the rich fool? He was, in hef- he was in hell, in torment, in Hades. And he looked across and he saw the beggar in Abraham's bosom. And he said, please, just send me back from the dead. or send an angel to tell my family that heaven and hell is real. And he said, even if an angel rose from the dead, or not rose from the dead, even if an angel came and spoke to you, spoke to them, they still wouldn't hear it. And so that tells us the depth in which our human heart can sink when it's out of the will of God, out of the ways of God. Consider David, a man after God's own heart. But yet, look at what he did. Because he lost connection with the head. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5, in fact, let's go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, 16, verse 8. 2 Chronicles. Are you here this morning? Oh man, you're all so quiet. I'm not sure if I'm boring you or if you're listening to what God's saying. Remember, when God reveals, he reveals to redeem. When God reveals, he reveals to redeem. He doesn't reveal to just make us feel bad about ourselves. He doesn't reveal to make us feel good about ourselves. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. Biblical Christianity is about denying ourselves for the sake of the Son of God. Biblical Christianity. I can't speak for Western Christianity, but if if we read our Bible for what it says and we seek to do what it says 
by the grace given us by the power of the Holy Spirit, that is our standard. When we stand before God, Andrew, when I stand before God on that day, I can't say to him, but it was normal in my, in my culture to do this. And people would think I was socially irrelevant if I didn't do it. Who cares? It's the truth that sets people free. It's not being socially relevant. It really isn't. It's the truth. The Bible says, what will it gain a man? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Man, if you gain the whole world, that's pretty relevant, right? That's pretty relevant. Yeah, show you how to succeed in business, how to be effective in, you know. Gain the whole world. The whole world is your platform. When you turn up, everybody knows your name. To me, that would seem pretty relevant. But what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And for some of us, it's not even the world the enemy has to give us. It's just that thing, that weight and that sin that so easily besets us. That the Spirit of God says, laying aside every weight and the sin that easily. This one is it's not hard. We've all got that one that's easily. And we can't compare it or judge it and say, okay, well, this one's worse than that one. No. We are all the same distance. We all are at the same distance to God. And we're as close to God as you and I want to be. I'm as close to God as I want to be. I don't care what situation you find yourself, what upbringing, what um, madness has befalled you. We all have the same distance to God. And the issue is, what is the Spirit of God saying to you in this season? The Scripture says, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. The reason why it says that is because that would be our natural disposition. When I hear something I don't like, there's a part of me that's like, Ugh. but then I have a choice. Could, I, could you get me some water, please? But then I have a choice whether or not to submit my will to his will or to just continue doing what I want to do because I want to do it and no one's going to tell me what to do. Could you open it for me, please? Thank you. Thank you. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, in verse 8 it says this. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Yet because you relied on who? On who? On who? Who is it that died for your sins? It's the Lord. So who cares what anyone else has to say or think about it? It's the Lord. And the, and the thing is, the Spirit of God was rebuking this king because he had lost the plot. He was trying to remind him, all those challenges, all those tribulations, all those situations you thought you'd never make it through, who was the one who delivered you? It was the Lord. And he was saying, look, the Spirit of God, he's searching. He's searching for a heart where he can be at peace with. He's searching for a man or woman that when God speaks, they stand to attention and say, yes, sir. If he's looking for anybody, he can rely on, if I can use that term very loosely, because God doesn't have to rely on anyone, because part of his nature is that he's self-sufficient, okay? But if he's looking for someone to get the job done, He's looking for a man or a woman who will say, here am I, Lord, send me. I pray he'll find many of those people here today, including myself.
in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5, the children of Israel were fed up of having to go directly to God through the prophets. They were fed up through the judges. They'd had enough. The Bible said, give us a king so we can be like the other nations. We want to be like everybody else. This is long. Why do we always have to be the ones that say, no, Christians don't believe that. No, Christians don't do that. We want to be like everyone else. That's what they said to the judge, Samuel. We want to be like everybody else. And oh, this is just so, ugh, it's so depressing. This is what the Spirit of God said. Not that, not that God's depressing. That's not what I'm saying. But if we turn to um, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Uh, 1 Samuel, yep. 1 Samuel chapter 8, it says this, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5. The second part of that verse says, now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And verse 8, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out, up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly, solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. And in verse 7, it says this, And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. When God gives you what you want, but it's not what he has for you, watch out. I'll say that again. When God eventually gives you what you want, not because that's what he has for you, but because that's what your heart is set on, watch out. God is a good God. And every good and perfect gift comes from him. If our parents, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good gifts? And if it's a good gift and it's in his name, we will receive it. But if it's not a good gift for us in this season of our life, and there's a saying that the West Indians say, and you go and fast up yourself and get the thing, watch out. Listen to what he said. This is God speaking. The children of Israel who he delivered from Pharaoh with a mighty hand through whom the children of Israel saw miracles in the wilderness. Miracles. Their situation seemed impossible. Standing before a red sea, not a red pond or red stream, a red sea. And God parts it for them. We don't want God to rule over us. Ah! ungrateful people ungrateful I'm not speaking that over you I'm saying the Israelites but you know the sad thing is how many times do we do that for they have not rejected you God's saying to Samuel but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them that I should not reign over them
Malachi verse 1, sorry, Malachi chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. Here the people of God are complaining because it's like, ah, this is long. God's ways are wearisome to us. God is calling us to come back to him. You know, when, 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 I heard, when I felt to share this message, I was so apprehensive because of how harsh it could come across. And I said, gee, Lord, you know, some people could even leave the church over a message like this. And do you know what I heard? And I'm not saying God told me this. I'm just saying this is what I heard in my spirit. If they leave the church because of this, they were never in his church. Because what I'm saying is truth. I'm, I, if, if, you, if we read God's word and see it for what it is, through the lens of his Holy Spirit, not through, Christ, not through popular Christian culture, because that's just rubbish. That is just rubbish. That is just rubbish. It's like candy floss. You know candy floss? Yeah? Years and years ago when I used to go to the fun fair, I used to love getting candy floss, but the only disappointment was as soon as you put it in your mouth, it was like, whoo, and then it dissolves into nothing. That's what popular Christian culture is. It's like candy floss has no substance. It gives you a little hit, sugar hit, but there's nothing to show for it. There's no nutrition. There's no value. There's no depth. There's no spiritual, spiritual weight to it that carries you through those dark seasons of the soul. There are seasons of the soul, dark seasons of the soul, where there isn't anything anyone can say or do for you but God. And that candy floss ain't going to cut it. If our faith is based on God make me feel good and give me everything I need and want, and if you don't, then that's it. I've had enough of you, God, in your church. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. Because there are things coming on this earth. There are things, com- <laughs> there are things coming on this earth that if we don't know our God, the scripture says, they that know their God shall be what? strong and do great exploits if we know God we walk with him and we hear his voice because the scripture says my sheep hear my voice and God is always speaking to us but it's whether or not we're willing I'm willing to get over myself and hear what his spirit is saying because it's his truth it's his truth it's not my truth. Ain't worth jack, my truth. It's his truth that sets us free. And if we find that we're in bondage in an area of our life, an area which we cannot be free and experience all that God has us to, has to do through us, in us, and with us, it's because we've let go of the truth. You look at when um, the Spirit of God in the, in the book of Revelation when the Apostle John is recording when Jesus visits the church, the things that he says to them, it's a real eye-opener. I mean, we mentioned this briefly at the Exceptional Women, but some of the churches, I mean, in our day, they would have been like the mega, mega churches, the churches that everybody wants to go to, everybody wants to be associated with. But as far as God was concerned, they were weak, they were beggarly, they were poor. And I deliberately, because um, you can have small churches that are exactly the same, so I'm not having a dig at big churches. We want big churches, we want ch- our churches to grow. Obviously, we do. But what I'm talking about is hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. 
The scriptures say, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart tomorrow. Today. Because that's all we've got is today. I cannot guarantee you tomorrow. I'd like to hope we've got tomorrow, but we don't know that. But today, if we will hear his voice, the scripture says, harden not your heart. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, the scripture talks about in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of their own selves. And it gives a list of the kinds of things that we'll see in these last days. And we have to be ready. We have to be ready. We have to be able to stand in the truth that God's given us and be fearless and be bold. There are people losing their lives because of this faith today. Not just like 800 years ago, 1,000 years ago. No, 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 2,000, today. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, I thought you were showing me a zero then, Andrew. How long have I got? Ten minutes, okay. Mark chapter 8. Verse 34, it says this. And this is, this is interesting. It says, verse 34, When he had called the people to himself, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples, he called the people to himself with his disciples. The people, disciples. The multitudes, disciples. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see that distinction that's often made when Jesus is about to say something. You have the multitudes, Straight is the path and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. We need to wake up. I need to wake up. We need to hear what God's Spirit is saying to us as a church and as individuals. And our response Shouldn't be, oh man, this is long. This is, this, is, this, is, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? No, no. Like Mary, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. Because everything you and I need for life and godliness, we have it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not doing this in our own strength. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, to as many as he... In fact, let me get to that scripture, but let me read this one first. Okay. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, it's good to desire it. There's nothing wrong with desiring it. Let him deny himself. What? What do you mean deny myself? It's all about me, baby. Wrong religion. Wrong faith. If it's all about you, this is the wrong faith for you because it really isn't. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. And follow me. Follow who? Follow him. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and, for, and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 6, it talks about being sober, about being vigilant, that, the, that Jesus' coming shouldn't be like a thief in the night to us because we're walking with him, we're listening to him, we're giving him time to speak into our hearts. We're creating an environment where God's actually able to get our attention. We're switching off the phones, the iPads, the telly, whatever it is, and just putting it aside to just simply sit and hear what his spirit is saying to us. Because God is always speaking. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into all truth. But we have to be willing to listen. And not just listen, but to be doers of the word. And not deceive ourselves thinking we've got it all together. And we're wretched. We're naked. We're lukewarm. We have a form of godliness, but there's no power. Shouting on a Sunday isn't power. It's what you do in your bedroom when nobody's there. That's power. It's how you respond when someone offends you. When someone upsets you. When your members are on fire. And you do what you need to do to relieve the tension. That's power. Being able to humble yourself and apologize when you get it wrong. That's power. Showing humility. That's power. Saying to your spouse, you have the last piece of pizza. That's power. And it's quite interesting when Jesus made that comment about denying yourself in Mark, you know, um, Peter had just professed or confessed who Jesus really was. So that was a moment of real revelation, right? He find, they finally realized, because they weren't quite sure if he really was the Messiah, but they were kind of, well, some say Elijah, some say, you know, a prophet. And then Jesus said, okay, cut to the chase. Who do you say that I am? And I hear the Spirit of God saying that to us today, individually. Who are you saying that I am? Am I just a prophet? A prophet's good, says good things, has helpful things to say. But you don't give your life to a prophet. You don't give the, your control of your will to a prophet, do you? You can get blessed by a prophet. You can enjoy the teaching of a prophet. Because who we think Jesus is, is how we relate to him. If we think he's just like us, everything we want and saying, then obviously he agrees with it, then that will be our reality. But if we see him as, who, as he is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who guides us into all truth, then we're going to relate to him completely different. And then after he does this, Peter says, do you know what, Jesus? Maybe it's not such a good idea that you do go to... Um, Beth to Jerusalem to be killed and all the rest of it. And Jesus says to him, get thee behind me, Satan. So hang about. And it was, so first of all, no one knew who Jesus was really. Peter had the revelation. And then in the next breath, 
Peter's being used by the devil. Jesus didn't say, get there, get thee behind me, a representation of evil which really doesn't exist because it's just a figment of our imagination because it's just a psychological tool that the church uses to control the masses. That's not what Jesus said, okay? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. He called him, he called him out, and he identified him for what he was and what he represents. So Peter thought he was helping Jesus by giving him advice about how it should be done. And it was on the back of that that Jesus said, if anyone's not willing to deny themselves and pick up their cross and follow me. So when we try and negotiate the terms of our agreement with God, well, you know, maybe, okay, you know, I'll give you this, you give me that. If we're not willing to deny ourselves, that's what, that's what the Bible says. In John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, it says this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, to as many as as received him he gives the power he gives the authority he gives the ability he gives the anointing he gives the strength to be his son to walk in all that God has for us the Bible says we need to renew our mind daily but how many of us do it don't put your hand up But how many of us do it? But if we could understand what God has done through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we realize we're not doing it in our own strength. To as many as believed, he gives the power to be the children of God. So all these things that are coming to your mind about, oh, yep, I need to sort that out. Yep, I need to stop doing that. Yep, I need to start doing that. I need to apologize. (sighs) Holy Spirit has been given to enable us. I don't, want to leave, I don't want us to leave here feeling hopeless. But I want us to understand we need to be in reality about our Christianity. I need to be in reality. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring us to a place of reality so that we can be free. And we can be free to embrace all that God has for us and all that God wants to do through us in our context. God's not expecting you to do what I'm supposed to do. God's not expecting me to do what you're supposed to do. But if I'm hearing what the Spirit of God's saying to me, then that is what God's expecting me to do. That is what God's expecting me to respond to. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The Bible says we are no longer slaves to sin. In other words, we're not not at Seal's um, will. When someone's a slave, they have no control. We have control. If we're born again believers and the Spirit of God lives in our spirit, we have power over sin. We have power power over sexual immorality we have power we have power over it we really do but we have to choose to exercise that and as I've always said the way we exercise that power is by submitting to what God's word teaches so if God says don't we don't 
If God says do, we do. If God says wait, we wait. If God says flee, we flee. It's not a mystery. God's ways, yes, they're higher than our ways, absolutely. But the Holy Spirit, he lives inside of us. And he'll guide us into all truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that will judge us. It's the truth that will vindicate us. It's the truth that will liberate us. It's the truth that will establish us. It's the truth that means that when we stand before God on that day, he can say to us, well done, good, faithful servant. Because like I always say, and I will always say, this is nothing. This is but a breath. This life we lead. But if our minds aren't renewed, we'll get so caught up in the system, we think it's all about the here and now. It's all about what I can get. How successful I can be. The breakthroughs I can make. Making a name for myself. It's like, it's like sandcastles in the light of eternity. It's like sandcastles saved as if by fire, but nothing to show for our lives because it was all about me, all about me. Forget what God had to say about it, not interested. We never say that, but when he speaks, we, oh, she's just getting at me. Somebody's obviously told her. No, no one's told me anything. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. Now, if God has spoken to you today, I want to invite you to stand where you are. You don't need to come to the front. I want us to stand, and I want us to speak to God honestly and openly. Don't make excuses, but just say, Lord. Well, just speak to him about what you know he's spoken to your heart about. If God hasn't spoken to you, then by all means, stay seated. But if you know God has spoken to your heart today, then I want to give you a chance to stand, because there's grace here to enable you to cross over. The Jordan's there and we're entering into a new season. But only those who are ready. The Bible talks about a banquet being given and someone turns up in the wrong clothes and the, and the owner of the banquet said, get rid of that person because they didn't show the due respect to what that thing was. And so there's a crossroads and God's inviting us to step over, to cross into our promised land but we have to do it on his terms. Father, we want to thank you for your word today. We want to thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit who teaches us and brings us into all truth. And Father, I pray for each person that is standing here. And Father, I release the grace that you've given me to be able to press in to what you have for them. Father, I release the grace to be able to obey your leading. Father, I speak to their ears and I say, be unblocked. I speak to their eyes and I say, be, be able to see all that your spirit is wanting to do in their lives. And Father, right now, I just release your grace upon their lives. I release grace upon their prayer life, first and foremost, Lord, that they will come back to that place of focused commitment, and pursuit of you in the secret place. I release grace to be able to do this, Lord. And Father, I pray that as they respond to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that the chains will begin to break.
Lord, I ask for an increase of your grace upon every single person that's standing here. And I just want to encourage you, those of you who are standing, that you don't need to be afraid. The Bible says that in the midst of our weakness, his strength is made perfect. The Bible says, whosoever will, let him come unto me. Jesus came to die for our sins because he knew we couldn't do it in our own strength. And the Bible says, what shall separate us from the love of God? So be at peace. Don't be afraid of what's coming around the corner because your life is hid in Christ in God. And I speak spiritual strength into you. I speak focus. And I speak an increase of grace to be able to pursue he whom your soul loves in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, can we just appreciate Pastor Isha for that 